that's not right. I, re- <laughs> I realized, I realized, like, half an hour in, I was like, God, no one can see me. I'm just like a floating kid. Just a man in the dark talking about everything. <laughs> yeah, Ashes number one. Monday at the Hug and Pine. Go on there, mate. Why do you love it so much? Um, it's the first Arab Strap record I listen to, and normally, okay. normally with bands you like, you really love. Um, the first one is always the best. Yeah. It's the one that hooks you in. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's so, it's so all over the place, and I love records <laughs> that do that. Yeah. Um, mm. Yet it still kind of hangs together for some reason. It shouldn't, really shouldn't. It's also got like two of well three of the best songs ever written on it um lyrically okay. lyrically and musically like um uh the opener shy retira the lyrics mm-hmm. that are amazing uh, uh, talking about fucking opening lines on arab strap records yeah. another blowhead disco is <laughs> such such a good opening <laughs> lyric especially with the backing track as well it's yeah. it's just like perfect that's I, that's that's my favorite track on here and one of my favorite arab strap songs after doing this i think is one that i keep going back to just even in between listening to albums and listening to it again i think it's really really cool it's amazing uh, okay um yeah fair um not one i gravitated towards um but there's um yeah a lot of love about this record um i uh, my my first highlight is um that i enjoy how uh, fucking little bastards yeah i mean we could we couldn't get away with saying that song title if we can swear on this Very podcast true. but uh, <laughs> um yeah i uh, i just enjoy that title generally and um how it rocks out uh, sort of um godspeed style i got a bit of godspeed from it it's it's my favorite arab strap song that song okay brilliant um i think it's one of the greatest lyrical songs of all time mm. um to get a bit to get a bit fucking serious guys <laughs> um i have i have struggled um with alcohol dependency in the past um mm-hmm. this song seems to be about that for me at least um there's a, there's a middle section where it kind of after the big first big noise bit it kind of breaks down for the first time and he describes all of the horrible things mm-hmm. um, that being a, f- a hopeless alcoholic has made him do, and mm. it's like perfection. It destroys me every time. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that. I love that song. See, I got I got a sort of a sense of almost like um, description of paranoia from it, but I suppose that kind of links into that in that that almost that paranoia of of what you have done when you've been drunk or you know that that kind exactly. of side of it perhaps yeah uh, they've seen you they've seen me in the shower with shit down my leg <laughs> yeah amazing yeah. yeah 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 is that um is it also is that one of the ones with is it bill and barry from mogwai are on this album in places oh possibly i read, I read I, but it didn't i couldn't find anywhere ah, what songs okay. they're on but uh, uh they're in the like the notes that they're on the album and there's, that there's that to very me little sounds about like this record one that on, online be. really which is weird because yeah. it's quite a highly highly regarded record but um, yeah yeah and that the other one that i thought was interesting is that um so you've got uh i don't know how you say his surname mike mogus mogus of bright eyes doing lap steel guitar parts oh, I didn't know that. and uh connor oberst does backing vocals on some of it as well which oh, i thought because they did a tour didn't okay. they i think they did a tour with bright eyes at one point oh cool so i assume that's how they got them involved but I quite like that, 
you know for <laughs> they've got their one major label album that is just complete <laughs> like minimalist nothingness and then two albums later they're like ah, let's get the big gun guests in. yeah yeah let's <laughs> actually get guests in. <laughs> so what else did i love about the hug and pine money the hug and pine um like, like that it's just named after a glaswegian pub that's <laughs> yeah that's, Mon- Monday um, as well, like super yeah, depressing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah Monday, for sure. Monday night out. Appar- <laughs> apparently, apparently, this was written while um, uh, the band was in their kind of worst state. Um, I don't, right. I don't think uh, they were getting on that well. And um, okay. Eden was living by himself in Glasgow at this point, and mm-hmm. um, Malcolm had moved somewhere else, and he was just like out on the lash. <laughs> all the time <laughs> and I can I can totally hear that in yeah. like every song yeah yeah I did this it was this was my number three at one point this album it's very much I see this and the red thread very much as a, an era of the band I think there's quite a lot of similarities definitely in the sound definitely um, so <laughs> something that I uh, <laughs> absolutely love that I found out about this one was that uh, I think it was Malcolm doing an interview about it at this time he said, "You can only imagine our collective delight when we were informed by Aiden that this album was going to be called the Cunted Circus." So good. Uh, yeah. No, it's not. I believe was the label's reply. <laughs> so good. But they re- they released a greatest hits later called the Cunted Circus. Ah, there we go. So he so got we his did, way. He did the get end. it in there. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Um. So um. Yeah. Uh, some other highlights for me. Um. I enjoyed the sort of awkward shuffle of uh, a flirt, mm-hmm. um, and uh, glue and act of war were interesting for me. Um, whisper it, but is this album actually quite pretty? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Yeah. In places. See, interestingly, I, my worst point is that I feel like after Lock Levin, it kind of drops off a bit. Okay. It loses me a little bit after that point, um, which I'm sure. I'm going to get attacked for, but <laughs> that that is that is after two listens of this album. You know, it See, might just qu- be that I, those are growers. I quite like that about it. I quite like that it kind of falls off an edge. You know what I mean? Mm. It feels like um, feels like being on a night out doing a lot of coke, and then <laughs> it's about six a.m. and everyone kind of wants to go home but kind of doesn't, um, and everyone's like just stops talking eventually. <laughs> And they're like, oh god, someone's going to be so annoyed with me when I get home. We better go. And it's like the taxi ride home or something. It's good. I, I hadn't thought about it like that. Considering the, the backdrop to the album and everything, do you think that is a, possibly a deliberate? It could be a deliberate choice. Maybe they probably didn't think about it that much. But I like, I like to. Th- I like to think. We can that. pretend. <laughs> the um, I I really enjoy how um, self-effacing and self-aware. The fucking bagpipe intro to a song yeah. Yeah. to to a uh, to a band who no doubt got just called Scottish a lot back yeah. in the day, <laughs> and they decided to write a song called Lock Levin. They were like, "Fuck yeah. it, we're gonna get it for this. Just put a bagpipe intro on it. Beat them, it. yeah, beat them to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, um, I mean, I've got Lock Levin intro into Lock Levin as my worst, but uh, but I didn't really consider the sort of like piss takey um aspect of it i've just i mean i've just got down fuck off bagpipes um <laughs> see i usually 
despise bagpipes like it doesn't take if someone asks what my least favorite musical instrument is i better like don't take me a moment bagpipes but yeah. <laughs> but i really like it in this context i think i i, I thought it was actually quite again oh, yeah, with yeah. that sort of tongue-in-cheek context but also i I've think it leads into the song quite nicely i've never understood the hate for bagpipes I they, feel like I'm. They sound like a Sonic them. Youth interlude to me. It sounds like um, like three guitars all feeding back at once. That's what bagpipes sound like. That's it. I am, as I get older, getting into more and more discordant and weird music. So maybe the bagpipes will you know, become part of that. Who knows? You got like fucking um, Bad Moon Rising, and, um, like ten bagpipe epics next to each other in the collection. <laughs> Um, All all I've got left to mention is that, um, I mean, you know, not all, but uh, because this is another great record, but uh, just a big fan of the lyric, um, every man is a tit to suck on, on 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 Pika Luna. Oh, there was something, now there was, there was something, (laughs) there was a misheard lyric, and I can't remember if it was this one, I'm going to have to go back and find it at some point, because there's something where one of the lyric websites had like misread it. And what it misread it as was hilarious. I'm going to have to try and find it when we have a break or something. Um, but yeah, I also... This is the, um, Loch Levin has one of my... I mentioned this to Wally a while ago when we were listening through. Um, one of my favourite really simple little... Uh, it's such a simple line, but it is pure poetry to me, which is the line in Loch Levin of fuck me says he, fuck you says she. Yeah, I, think I love that It's bit. just gorgeous. <laughs> So it's it's like a it's that that bit's like a proper li- little like um folk song that's yeah. designed to make like a little pub of people laugh. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyf- uh, <clears throat> anything else? Um, have you mentioned all, all three of your um, absolute favourites um, uh, from yeah, here, Ash? It's it's the Shy Retira, um, fucking little bastards, and Log Levin. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. The, the three right. I love. Um, my other, my other Brilliant. one I really like is I like how um, who named the days builds. Yeah, I really like how that one progresses. I think that's really cool. And again, mm. the female female vocal coming in really nicely, changing yeah. things up a bit. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, Ash, you want to wrap back to lyrical? Um, some more about this record to close us out. Um, I'll try. Um, it's just. <laughs> It's it's just re it's just really interesting. I've never heard anything that sounds like it before. Um, yeah. And the fir- when when I initially heard about them and um, was told to listen to them, um, you hear the name, and I saw the artwork, and I thought it was going to be I don't know I thought it was going to be like um, maybe like Queens of the Stone Age or something or like something okay. like real heavy and dark mm. and then the fucking 808 <laughs> start came in I was like what and then it's just acoustic guitar over an 808 with him <laughs> talking about like basically just going out on the piss yeah. um, and I was like this is so weird and I thought it was going to be I heard that song and I was like okay it's going to be that that's going to be their thing and then the whole record just goes off in different places the entire time and they're all really interesting like introverted little little sketches so for 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 the longest time i thought this record was i i tend to think about fucking music far too often and like make i mean i mean you're yeah. on the right podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i 
make like make things up about it in my head or whatever and i thought for the longest time that this was a record about um like the local clientele in a pub and each song yeah. each song was kind of about a different punter yeah um, mm. and their kind of outlook um and I still kind of like to imagine that it's about that. But I'm, it's sure, I'm sure I read. Not. I'm sure I read something from him saying, like, not maybe not uh, as as extreme as that, but something some, along those lines, basically. Right, okay. That he was imagining, imagining that 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 kind of different people on different nights uh, in that one pub. Uh, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that about it. Um, the the worst thing about the record, the very worst thing, and it, it annoys me still, is it should be called Monday Night at the Hug and Pints because that would be rhythmically pleasing, but it's not, <laughs> and it fucks me off. Fair, fair, good point. Yeah. Um, I, uh, j- just an interesting point you made there about the uh, the cover. Um, so um, yeah, you looked at it and assumed something heavy. Um, I just thought it's interesting that um, I just looked it up properly, and um, obviously, um, Arab Strap and uh, their fellow Glaswegian, well, they're not really Glaswegians, they're from Falkirk, but uh, their Scottish peers, uh, Bell and Sebastian, fell out over uh, Stuart Murdoch um, titling an album, The Boy with the Arab Strap, uh, after that band. But. Um, uh, this album cover looks a bit like a Bella Sebastian cover. It does, I reckon. Right, yeah. It's like a yeah, bastardized yeah. Ar- um, Bella Sebastian <laughs> cover, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, I reckon so. Like, like taking the piss, you know? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, which could be something to do with their fallout. <laughs> but uh, I've, I've got the. I, I paid far too much money for the um, the vinyl version of mm-hmm. this, um, and it looks really beautiful mm-hmm. on record. Um, there's a couple more bits of artwork in there, and there's like a little insert art as well a couple more pictures nice. of um i guess it's like showgirls or something yeah. right at like mm-hmm. burlesque bar yeah 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 that's what it looks sure, like i hope showgirls is an offensive term i don't mean it to be um burlesque <laughs> oh, no, dancers no and uh, only in the sense if you're talking about the um madonna movie <laughs> <laughs> talk about offense yeah <laughs> So before we go into our last two records, um, yeah, I've just been speaking to someone recently and um, uh, told them I was doing the podcast tonight. Um, <laughs> and, they, and they said, uh, um, I listened to their um, most listened to song on, on Spotify and it just sounds like uh, generic indie pop underlying a train spotting monologue. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, sounds great to me. I feel like that's xenophobic. I feel like <laughs> 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 anyway, so we go into their um, their final record of their initial run, The Last Romance, uh, an album that um, climbed for you, Ash, up into fourth, um, and Chris and I both had in fifth. Yeah, it has climbed so, yeah. one spot for me today. It was, it yeah, was um, one spot no, no, me, me too, because uh, what I initially thought about this record was um, sort of, uh, I very much noticed the time when it came out. Uh, mm-hmm. 2005 which is um, so obviously they had a very different um, sort of not that they particularly paid attention to scenes or trends ever um, Arab Strap but um, uh, so obviously at the time they had they weren't coming just after Britpop they were coming in the middle of like peak landfill indie 
And um, I thought that um, on initial listen to this record, it was kind of in some ways going for that sort of sound of um, sort of the indie at the time, uh, but sounded a lot cheaper than um, than a lot of the records, the best records of that time um, that still sound great today, stuff like Sign Alarm or um, uh, Arcade Fire's Funeral or Interpol's Turn on the Bright Lights. They weren't necessarily out of Strat's peers, but... Um, that Rakes record. Know, Don't forget that Rakes record. <laughs> Cap- Capture release, that's what it's called. I love that record. So I go out for a no, 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 bro. <laughs> um, yeah. So good. Um, but um, what's I going to say? Yeah, I mean, I know it's kind of the point that they've always sounded kind of uh, cheap and lo-fi, but um, what stood out to me is that, um, yeah, they're going for this bigger, sa- bigger glossier sound and it sort of fell short. That's... But on second on second and third listen, it really improved for me. Yeah, that was it initially for me as well, I think, is that it's almost that in-between. I wasn't sure what it was they were going for, whether they were fully going for that and just not quite getting there because they're Arab Strap and they are naturally leaning towards the other side of things. Yeah. Um, or whether it was their deliberate kind of their take on, on that kind of stuff. There's definitely mm. a couple of tracks that I think very much wouldn't sound out of place, you know, being it's being played with that with that kind of music. But. It's it's interesting what you said then about landfill indie because I didn't even think about that when I was when I was when I've listened to it before. But it sounds it sounds like not stylistically, but like purely sonically, it sounds it does sound like a landfill indie record mm. to me. It sounds like the Pigeon Detectives or something. <laughs> It could be, could do, could do. Um, I, I, I think um, uh, the opener, uh, what's it called? Um, sorry, uh, no hope for us. Is uh, sounds like a bit, a bit like a indie disco floor filler. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's it's, that's one of the big. It's a happy record, isn't it? Mm. That's the weird thing about it. It's um, yeah, which I don't think I liked before, but I put it on today, and was like, actually, this is amazing. I think it, it, yeah. it was a nine before, and today it became a ten in my head. I was, I was, I was before thinking that it was kind of a bit throwaway compared to some of the other stuff. Maybe not as deep and that kind of thing, or that you know didn't have the same. I don't know. Yeah, weight to it. Whereas actually, yeah, listening again through to it today, there's a lot. There are a lot more things going on in the songs that I remembered from my previous listens and sort of was pleased to be hearing again if that makes sense yeah. Not, I struggle to to say hooks but like that that kind of thing you know uh, so yeah I, I agree I think it's one that is great I, what I like as well I do think it, it does achieve what something that, that Aidan Moffat said that he wanted to do with this one is to make a, di- a more direct um, sort of succinct record compared to what they've done mm. before, which you know it's half the length of most of their albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, was going to say the uh, best part of this record is it's lovely and short. It's only thirty-five minutes. Mm. It's because the we're, songs we're, are actually fast, aren't they? That's it. Yeah, <laughs> speed date. Speed date is actually like a fast song. It's mad. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is my top. Actually, I'll mention things that's come up. Oh, um, lovely. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if it really is, but it was the first one that properly stuck with me. Um, the, the lyric, the lyric in that song where he's like, um, 
he loves to talk, he's open-minded, but don't dare suggest he's gay. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> That's it. So I, feel, I, I think it is, and again, I think it is the lyrics that push that one to the top for me, because it's, it's got that similar thing for me, actually, as, as First Big Weekend had, where it's that there's a lot of those little tongue-in-cheek kind of lines yeah. going on, but it actually is still very interesting to keep on track with the narrative as well. Yeah. yeah um, uh, the, um, obviously... Um, early on in their career, the um, uh, sort of more distorted, distorted guitarists use sparingly and to great effect, but um, it's it, it, it's a welcome return on uh, "Don't Ask Me to Dance" of um, a more dis- uh, distorted sound. I'm sorry, what? I've just realised. You know, mm. I was talking earlier about a misheard lyric. It's actually okay. in "Speed Date." So okay, there's the there's the lyric um, "Circle Me a Yes." Because obviously, you know, he's talking about speed dating and whatever. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but his, his, his thick Scottish accent meant that whoever's put the lyrics into this website thought he was saying, suckle me and guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of Aiden Moffat being at a speed dating thing. It's like, if, yeah, well, if you could suckle any <laughs> man. <laughs> as good a teacher as any, I think. Do you think this relationship will work? Suckle me and guess. <laughs> um... Just, um, just to point out for uh, obviously this is an audio form, but uh, well, well, sorry, that was, that, yeah, that was for your benefit. <laughs> Chris pinched his nipple, which is uh, yeah, quite something. It's highly erotic. It's been a long time in that room, eh, Chris? I was decent um, enough to keep the shirt on. <laughs> um, I was um, just. Um, just to quickly point out in terms of worst because I haven't got a lot of worst on this record which is surprising considering you know how little I liked it on first listen but um, um, I think um, no hope for us uh, I, I, I think the um, momentum of no hope for us is kind of ruined a bit by chat in Amsterdam okay I actually yeah, I really I, I, I get what you mean in terms of where it is but I really like that song because yeah. I think it's a bit of a hark back to what we were talking about with like the first album of those some of those odd musical choices the whole singing yeah, yeah. and speaking the same lyrics over each other yeah um, that, that's real weird I've never heard anyone do that before. yeah so odd but it's brilliant very strange idea quite like it though yeah mm. um and it, I mean Probably not because uh, this uh, album has climbed for you so much. But any um, major negatives for you, Ash? Um, f- fine tuning's a bit meh. Yeah, I've got that down at my worst. It's um, kind of repetitive and dull. Yeah, a little bit. Um, mm. But the the rest is re- it's really well structured. This one as well, mm. which is quite weird for them. Normally their records are quite front loaded. I think. Um, yeah. But this one's quite spread out with. The, the good shit <laughs> which I think was on purpose because I think they well talking about favourite bits um, my favourite bit of this song is the is the last song there is no ending yeah yeah that's because that's, I like that, that, the that's sheer also my best I like the sheer audacity uh, audacity of putting a fanfare as the mm. final song on your final album exactly I, I put exactly funny. the same thing as my highlight moment I think yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's similar to what we were talking about with like the bagpipes and those other little nods yeah. of like knowing yeah, this yeah. I think it was great yeah yeah, yeah um, I've put that it just works really well as their um, as a swan song to their career at the time it's I mean even when the trumpets come in 
I was going to say, um, in one way it doesn't, because they've been such a, a subtle and understated band uh, for a lot of their career. But, uh, so this big over the top um, uh, swan song, yeah, in a way doesn't work. But um, yeah, at the same time, just um, really dig it. Yeah, definitely my favourite song, uh, favourite of this record. Um, I also, um, yeah, just picked up on something you said earlier, Ash, about um, this being a happy album. You can you can see it in the cover art. Like everything else is so dour and dark, but this is like light and pastely and lovely to look at. Yeah, it looks like the cover art that like some like um, emo like mall emo band yep. would have yeah, on like yeah. their early MySpace EP. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I thought it looked like, um, and I can't remember the, uh, the album um, I'm thinking of, but it, look, it looks like a Maybe She Will album cover. I was going to say that, but yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, kind of I don't want to equate the two, but <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you want to do, that's fine. <laughs> um, I think I've got, yeah. I've got Come Round and Love Me as my worst song, just... Which is a shame because it's kind of a rare positive song about the excitement of a new relationship and things. Mm, uh, yeah. It's quite mm. nice to have that. But I just, uh, musically, it was one of the ones that lost me a bit. I, I really like the bravery of... Because no, uh, they knew that this was going to be their last uh, record. So, so, sorry, um, a bit, right. uh, accidental reference to another landfill indie band there. I like the, I, I like the bravery. <laughs> They've got that one good song, haven't they? It's, that's I a mean, get, banger. To be good, good, good's a stretch. But, uh, <laughs> oh, I, like, I like that song. Um, yeah, I, I really like the bravery of because um, they knew that they were this was going to be their last record before they went in and made it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the the bravery of um, knowing that was going to happen and still being like, "Oh, we're going to make something that that doesn't sound like an Arab Strap record." Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I I really enjoy that. Yeah, I do. F- it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I completely agree, but I also feel like it it does feel like a natural progression from what's come before at the same time they could have gone either yeah. way i suppose and that's you know it feels like a natural direction in one in one direction but yeah uh An- another another great life for Wendy band oh i felt those words coming out of my mouth as i said and, and <laughs> shivered. Yeah. um Right, chaps. Um, anything else? Uh, until only just really quickly. That's just made me completely reminded me of something I'd forgotten about from uh, mm. that I learnt about Aidan Moffat. Which oh I, yeah, I just I absolutely know exactly what you're going to say. Now. I adore mm. the fact that he is so passionate oh, yes. about shit pop music. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I say shit. It's not. This is what I love. Is this is a man of his age. <laughs> you would not, if you're going to guess the kind of music he likes to listen to. You probably wouldn't guess it, but the fact that he's so like into his like mainstream pop and disco and stuff. There's that John Duran interview where um, he's talking about like uh, the, 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 the like girls allowed. Record that's it. That yes, that's the one. I'm thinking that's about. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he calls it like the pinnacle of, mo- of modern pop yeah. or something. And there's no way anybody else will be able to surpass it. And then he's yeah. talking about he's talking about going to see them on tour, and he's like, I always feel really weird because it's always me and my mate that go. And we're just surrounded by like screaming <laughs> fangirls, <laughs> screaming like teenage girls, and he's like, "I'm getting a bit old for it now." It feels pretty creepy. Um, so, so no, my my, um, my friend Niall went, uh, and I were chatting about um, uh, Arab Strapper in, in the pub last weekend, and um, 
uh, yeah, uh, just telling him, telling him we were going to do them on a podcast. And yeah, he, he said his favourite thing about Arab Strap was that uh, sort of before, before really the boom of vlogging, um, Adam Moffat used to go on YouTube and like be drinking whiskey, listening to Girls Without B sides, going, <laughs> "This is fucking fantastic." <laughs> he still kind of does that on Twitter. <laughs> he still kind of does that on Twitter. The reason I so I love the Swedish. I guess she's kind of like an art pop star now. I guess, um, but the Swedish pop star Robin yes. is because yeah. is because of Adam Moffat. Oh, and yeah. he posted he got real pissed or well, quite obviously real pissed one night and posted like a YouTube link and was like this is the greatest song ever written and it was Call Your Girlfriend by Robin and, uh, <laughs> he's, he, he might not be wrong I tell you it's no with every heartbeat um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, not even any um, it's no dancing on my own either <laughs> that's the least two oh. better songs that are, Robin songs that are better <laughs> Um, oh, you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he also tuned solo alone. <laughs> so now we move on to Chris's number one. As days get dark, and yeah. uh, their their reunion record of this year. <clears throat> so yeah, Chris, why is it your number one, mate? Um, it's it's just the most consistent for me. It's the one with the, the most songs that I genuinely love. And I think a big thing for me, and it's my highlight of the album, is that because it's been such a gap, it's what, 16-year gap yeah. between uh, Last Romance and this. And in that time, I think I personally, I think Moffat, as a poget and as a vocalist, has just grown incredibly. Like, this, yeah, this, has, I, this has got I, some of my favourite writing that he's done is on this album i was gonna say that he can actually sing now can't he and, and he can it's actually sing quite he's got he's got it's that leonard cohen thing where age has yeah. helped him to sound deliberately kind of like well it's now. in tune which is well yes that's, mad. A, that's, that's, that's an advantage yeah um but yeah like he sounds almost like a completely different singer and I, d- I do think i do think he does but that's that's something else that i really quite like about it as an album is i think it sounds it sounds undeniably like Arab Strap, but they have managed, I think, to to bring it into modern day and make it sound like a very For modern sure. album at the same time. Um, sure. Which I think um, actually he- was not an easy thing to do, and I do think they've pulled it, pulled it off. Hearing them talk about it a little bit was interesting, because um, uh, everyone expected them to come back with like lo-fi drum loops mm. and guitar mm. again, and they were like, we didn't want to do that because that is just... They might as well have just done a remaster of one of their yeah. old records you yeah, know yeah. which mm. i think is really admirable that's it and it's it's kind of almost continued that the the, the traction of where the albums were going in the kind of it's probably their most um i mean to use a phrase that we've only ever used for kanye before but their most like maximalist instrumentally album that they've mm. done yeah but also sure. is is gone back to the more electronic a lot of the time focus of it because yeah. so much I feel I mean we've spoken about this on the podcast before but how quickly like electronic music and the technology around electronic music grows mm. and develops I think they must be, it must have been quite exciting to be able to sort of approach that again 16 years later I think about how much must have changed in the tech that's there for them to use to write this yeah definitely I, I think I think Aiden has done a lot more because <clears throat> he's apparently he's always been the because he used to be a drummer mm um before he was, a, he was a vocalist um and apparently he wrote like all of the kind of um drum loops and stuff 
So I'd I'd imagine he's been doing that a lot more. Mm. Um, I think he's got a he's got a solo project called El Pierre, I think. Yes. Which is like ambient stuff. So I, I'd imagine he's been fucking around with electronic stuff a lot more mm. and kind of got his head around it a bit more than just kind of setting a loop going and recording it badly. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, and this is something I mean, something else that I think comes into something else that I like about it is is the the variety of topics that he covers on this one mm. as well. Mm. Like I feel like it's something else that I love about him as a person that I've been reading is just this. So it's this one that I read. Um, there's a really good uh, interview. Let me find who it was that did it. So it was on Stereo Gum. Uh, uh, Ryan Lees did an interview with him. It's so, so good. It's really worth checking out. Um, but something that almost every, it was like a track by track sort of uh, talk through the album. And in almost every track, when he talks about it, at some point he mentions that he read a book about some obscure subject. <laughs> he seems to just spend all his time going, huh, I want to know more about that, and just finds an, a book and, and just devours the whole thing. Um, <laughs> which I just think is brilliant. So, so, like so he like, doesn't like cram it in, though, lyrically, you know? No, he's that's not it. Like sho- he's not like showing off about his knowledge. He always uses, he always uses um, especially on this record, uses kind of like quite normal everyday language yes. uh, <laughs> kind of metaphor for those quite and it will this is it and this ideas. so so my my favorite song is the opener is the turning of our bones and i feel like that is a really good example of that where it's it was inspired by the idea of he was reading a book about death rituals around the world and it's that <laughs> the idea of uh i can't remember what he said it was now but um uh like uh, madagascar that's it a ritual in madagascar where every few years they exhume the bones of people they've buried dress them up and dance around with them (laughs) (laughs) and and he thought it was quite a kind of hilarious but beautiful thing that they do so that kind of inspired the idea of the song but unless you had that explained to you by by sort of him saying it or whatever you wouldn't necessarily know that that's what it was about because he's managed to do what he does and turn it into this sort of relatable contemporary story instead yeah like talking about that like when I first heard that song I was like, "Oh, this is this is like them being, like, like in a comedic way, quite bombastic mm. again." And it's like a, a, the the second half of the bookend of "There Is No Ending," where yeah, yeah. there is no endings, all about everything ending basically. And then mm. this song is all about like resurrection yeah, and yeah, then yeah. starting the band again, which I f- find quite funny, like the audacity mm. of yeah. that. The, the opening line of the album being I don't give a fuck about the past yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant <laughs> that's it I've, well, I've put that as well about this song like you've got that ominous and oppressive like guitar and drum machine and then that line comes in and you fucking know this is going to be good like <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've got some uh, highlights in other areas lyrically <laughs> um, best lyric on this album is um, <laughs> It's all about stepmoms and stepsisters these days. What <laughs> yeah, the yeah. fuck's that all about? <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah. So good. Um, Clockwork Clock Day in general um, is like, in a twisted way, quite a sweet love song. Yeah. That he's wa- wanking over pictures of his old, wi- <laughs> uh, old pictures of his wife. <laughs> it's, 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 it's quite lovely in a way. <laughs> I love the story behind... Have, have you heard the story about that one? Which is... So it kind of goes back to the quote that you mentioned right at the top of the podcast. 
or, or I don't know if it was even from the oh, same yeah, quote, yeah, yeah. but he, he said he was having an argument with someone on Twitter uh, who said you should fuck off with your silly songs about wanking. <laughs> and and he thought I don't think I've actually ever written a song about wanking and he saw it as a challenge and that's where this song came from <laughs> amazing sold about that <laughs> wonderful and uh, but um, uh, highlight lyrically f- uh, for me on this album is uh, Tears on Tour I think yes. that's great and, and uh, especially not the bit right? um, cry, cry, crying at several kids movie, movies Muppets movie Frozen Frozen 2 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really like um, Sleeper because mm. it's it's one of those weird ones where he's being quite um, he seems to not really be talking about himself yeah, to me. it's it's quite a strange one, but it's real beautiful in the way it kind of builds up. It's almost um, film noir. Yeah, I was going to mm. say it feels like and and almost dreamlike. It just sounds like he's describing a dream or something. Into like the music kind of helps that along. I think. I lo- I mean I lo- I've got a real soft spot for like for those kind of songs that have got like allegorical stories going on. Yeah. It, like. I've gone. I used to be a big fan. I've gone off him a lot, but there's a couple of songs that Scroobius Pip does, that where he does that really well. That are sort of the mm. things that I still like about him. He said gone off him a lot, like he'd said something bad. What is it? Was no, said? no, nothing like that. Uh, I won't get into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to say um, a- another song I really enjoyed the lyrical themes of is uh, "Fable of the Urban Fox," where we're yeah. using. Um, sort of, uh, yeah, an animal allegory about Brexit and racism. And again, another brilliant one musically, and like it's got a real yeah. kind of drive to it that keeps building up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, musically, weirdly, I think when, when I first heard this record all the way through, I was like, I don't know how you how familiar you guys are with them, but this this record sounds like Faith by The Cure to me. Okay. A lot. If you took away his voice, okay, um, yeah, 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 and put on like. Uh, I, the Robert Smith impression that I do. Um, <laughs> it would, yeah. It's uh, there's um, there's a lot of chorus guitars, and there's a lot of there's a thing in Faith where there's, it's almost like it's got zero atmosphere. Mm. Mm. Um, so a lot of those kind of early post-punk records have that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I think this record has that thing. Yeah, I get that. It feels quite. Uh cold <laughs> a lot of the time yeah. weirdly because actually lyrically it's one of the warm, warmer ones <laughs> there's a bit more heart to it I think in a lot of the time but it's a, it's a winter record I think for sure yeah yeah mm. yeah which I think is original because when I first because obviously this is the first Aerostrap album I actually listened to all the way through because I've, I've been I've been irritating people around me by uh, deciding this year inspired by James Acaster's thing I was just trying to listen to as many albums that have come out as they come out this year because uh, right. I was teaching in lockdown and things had a lot of time where I could actually listen to music for once so I listened to this one when it came out and it didn't go on my list of like ones that I've loved it went on the ones I've enjoyed um, but it, it came out when did it when did it when was it it came out like March it's about Easter yeah so it was when it was quite nice weather and it was kind of just starting to get sunny and it was you know I was getting into like glitterer and some of the nice like fuzzy guitar sort of stuff and then I listened to this and I was like oh you're really crushing my vibe right now <laughs> <laughs> so going back to it I'm really glad that we've done this and I've gone back to it because actually it's now gone right up there with, with, with one of my favourites of the year because I think 
it's you're right it's definitely a night and it's something he said about it as well actually is he want he, th- he thinks it's got quite a nighttime theme to yeah. it definitely. especially in something like Kababalon yes uh, which not um, a great one not a great one lyrically <laughs> No, I think bad um, title though. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing um, bad, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, which I think actually that the chorus, weirdly, the way it's in which it's and sort of its cadence reminded me a bit of um, Waterfall by T- TRC. Yes, I'm not going mad. <laughs> I put exactly the same thing. <laughs> Good. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> He'd love that as well. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> yeah, what, sure I, what, I, what I couldn't help but hope that it was deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Walking down the streets of Kababalon, listen to the rivers and the lakes like you used to. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> um, for some lowlights of this record, that uh, I've put that the, um, I mean, obviously it's the, so- it's the, the songs about Twitter and getting into fights mm. with keyboard warriors, but. Um, their little tweeting bird sample in Bluebird gets annoying quite quickly. I've, I've put that as my low light moment of this a bit on the nose for what the song's yeah, about. Like, you like, don't really yeah, need yeah. it. We, we get it already. It's um, called Bluebird already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, just overall, I think why I've got this album so low is that, um, like, you know, I, I talked a lot in the earlier records about how much I appreciated their quite ethereal and delicate material. And um, this is far less ethereal and delicate than anything they've done before. And I'm, I'm not sure that it's better for it for me. I think uh, I, I, I think that um, I, I think that's an excellent use of the word earlier, Chris, of the word maximalist. Yeah. yeah the, the, uh, but I don't think it's... It's an Arab strap album a, with disco beats. It's, I don't think that's what that's what I go to them for. No, but I mean they've they've had that before on the weekend starts here. Yeah, um, but and 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 other and lots of other songs with sort of eight oh eight drum machines um, going going a bit more four to the floor. Um, but um, but yeah, like just it's, it feels a bit more intentional and not just um, yeah. The ones before almost feel like an accident, don't mm. they? Sure, sure. Um. Okay, lads. Yeah, anything more on this record? Uh, just my worst. My worst song is "I Was Once a Weak Man" because mm. I absolutely adore every song on this album except that one. Okay. I don't dislike it. It's just it's the one for me that just sits slightly below all the others. But I do again. It's got some of the brilliant. Uh, it's got the the Mick Jagger line in that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like, it's basically about a guy going out, getting drunk, and cheating, and coming home, and just be like, "Well, Mick Jagger <laughs> does it. Why can't I?" It is older than me. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which sorry again brilliant 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 story in this i think it was in the same interview where he said that came from the idea of his uh i think it was oh God, i'm sure it was his dad that he said uh when he was younger his dad came in completely pissed one night and his mum was really angry with him uh and in and his just completely seriously straight faced his drunk dad's response was to stand there in the middle of the room stumbling and just go Mick Jagger can do it uh so it came from that line actually being used in that circumstance it's like an old man which, from Falkirk yeah, doing that so exactly <laughs> which I thought was just wonderful um anything more for you from you Ash before we close out um no the song here comes Kumus, yeah, Kumus, right. Kumus, Kumus. Um, 
yeah, I, I just I just really like that one. It has a lot of bile in it. I like songs mm. with like a bit of yeah, bile. Yeah. That was nearly yeah, my top as well. You'll, 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 you'll find a lot of that with Arab Strap. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that one's got quite a, like a, a new wave post-punky guitar. Mm. Like very chorusy guitar and very kind of... Yeah. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Sounds like Cure. Yes. Believe it, it or not, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you like you like the Cure, Ash. I, I can tell from, uh, <laughs> from the, my haircut, <laughs> my singing voice. <laughs> anyway, cool. Well, that's us done on Arab Strap. Um, like, yeah, uh, not a band I'll be going back to in a hurry uh, because <laughs> we need a bit of a break. <laughs> it's it it's. It's so miserable, but um, but in parts absolutely brilliant. Like like I say, um, I genuinely think New Birds is one of the best things, best new things I've heard in a long, long time. I know it's not new, but uh, new to me. Mm. Um, you know, incredible band with some with with some great great albums. And uh, thank you very much for the suggestion, Ash. Yeah. And uh, ha- have you have you enjoyed talking about one of your faves? Yeah, it's been nice. Every uh, like. Music fans love a record chat, don't they? It's been been <laughs> nice to talk about records. I'm I'm, <laughs> qu- I'm quite um I'm quite picky and fucking little opinionated keyboard warrior about um about music as well. So it's a uh, nice uh, again, relief again, to again, not again, just say on, things are shit. Again, <laughs> you're, again, you're on the right podcast. So. <laughs> anyway, so yes, we 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 go into our um, niche of the better segment. Uh, our top five on uh, songs that sound good even though the singer is out of tune so hit that jingle Chris Um, so I haven't um, come up with a top five, uh, but um, yeah, you guys go ahead and I'll uh, in, in, interject with uh, chuckles or heckles. Did you have? Do you yeah. have any that sort of? I'm interested if there was anything that immediately came um, to mind when when so, this was mentioned. Just as yeah, your, as your did, like, it did. Like the, the the first thing that came to mind for me was um, uh, old Bobby Dylan with like a Rolling Stone. Um, the man famously cannot sing a note in tune, but um, yeah. it's one of the greatest. It's one of the greatest. It's regarded as one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time for a reason. I'm really <laughs> glad that you've brought that up because I wanted to mention the fact. So I've got him in my mentions, and the mm. only reason that I've not put that because I love that song. I'm not a massive Bob Dylan fan. Like I'm, mm. you know, I'm a casual fan. I'd say, uh, but I love that song. But, but what but, I, the reason like, I've like, not counted him is because yeah. I've got a theory. That Bob Dylan has never sung a note out of tune because he just tries to hit every note at once, and so somewhere he always hits the right note. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He does that bendy thing. Yeah. How does it feel? <laughs> He's going to get the right note somewhere. <laughs> it's um, it's a good. I respect the fact that he started doing that and then was like. I'll do this for 60 years <laughs> you know <laughs> nuts isn't it imagine thinking of a thing like that simple and being like I will do that on every single line I sing for the next half a century 
Oh. <laughs> Alright then chaps your, um, any, any mentions before you go into the top 5 Ash have you got um, anything that didn't make your top 5 you want to talk about uh, Not off the top of my head I made I made this one at the start um, mm. So I haven't thought about it for a little while That's So I've just, pu- I've just pulled it up In front of me now And I've mm-hmm. been, uh, I'm laughing at, um, <laughs> what, One of the s- One of the selections <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, cool. I'll quickly mention. I'm gonna. I mean, as I always do, I can't help myself. I've got a few to talk mm. about here. So ones cool. that like. So this is one that's nowhere near my top five, but I had to mention it as one of the ones that came to my head first because I think it was the first example of a song that I heard where my initial reaction was, "My God, someone let this out!" Like. <laughs> That someone recorded this, produced it, and released it, and didn't stop it, um, and then growing to love it because of that, which was Blink One Eight Two's Carousel. Oh right, uh, I don't think I've ever heard it. It's again. I think how old have I been when I heard that? Like thirteen, fourteen. Not when it came. That's not when it came out, but when I would have heard it. Uh, and I think that actually, without having been exposed to that and understanding how to enjoy it, I might not have then gone on to enjoy a lot of punk that I did enjoy. Is that like an early song or something? It's a really early one, yeah. yeah. yeah I was so say, normally they're like perfectly in tune. Yeah, no, it's, it's off. Uh, I think there's two versions of it. There's one on Buddha, one on Cheshire Cat, the first two albums. Okay. Right. Um, and the, yeah, the, the, the Buddha one, the earliest one, is just, it's toned along just completely off-key all the Howling. way through. Um, yeah. There's, there's, there's a band, there's a, this is like really niche as fuck but it's just come to me um there's a band there's an emo band um called empire empire i was a lonely estate have you heard oh, of great bands yeah 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 I've, um, s- I've seen them yeah yeah it's the same um i we actually me and my friend chris actually put them on um in bath when we were at uni there and um um, the the records already he doesn't sing very in tune and um, some of those notes are really really high and bless him I think he'd gotten a bit of a cold when oh he first no. came to this country <laughs> and oh my lord I've never heard someone sing that out that out of tune in my life um, <laughs> I think the, I think the singer's called Chris I mean he's probably not going to be listening to this let's be honest. Um, <laughs> But so, sorry if you're listening, Chris. I know that you were trying, but it was fucking hell. I, was, I stood at the back, like, oh, just wincing. Like, you was trying to hit these high notes. It was insane. Ouch. <laughs> oh, no. Were they good when you saw them? Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw them in a black car. I don't remember a lot of that night because it was the night that um, Chelsea won the Champions League uh, the year Spurs finished fourth, and th- that meant we. Uh, didn't qualify for the Champions League, so I got fucking drunk instead. All right, um, good band to see though when you're sad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> nice, um, um, Chris. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to quickly run through. So some, I, as we said, a lot of interpretation to be had. I think so. Some, of, probably most of my top five. I think people could argue that they're maybe not even out of tune in some instances but it depends where you go so some of these are similar so like uh, Rancid uh, Ruby Soho again like you know you know this isn't my top five do not worry but like another one where I feel like it's a good example of someone who is almost always out of tune but kind of you get used to it because it's just how he sounds (laughs) this this may be a controversial statement right but um that guy's that guy's like a white guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sounds like he's doing a racist impression of a Hispanic man 
Yes. I've it's never a, really like noticed a common that, bit, thing that people say about it. I've never noticed that, but I I can actually see what you're. Yeah, I can see where you're coming really from. Really weird. Every time I hear it, I'm like, what? What the fuck? Is he that? just has an incredibly odd voice. That's all I've yeah, ever really known. Very strange, isn't it? Um, so <laughs> a band, a band I get mixed up or used to get mixed up with Arab Strap all the time because of the name is Afghan Wigs. Oh uh, right. Okay. Uh, and uh, Uptown again is a song that I think has some pretty some pretty attitude vocals going on <laughs> uh modest mouse teeth like god's shoe shine oh yeah <laughs> uh flaming lips uh, so, flaming so, lips so, you could go for so many <laughs> i mean they've got a countless number of albums and i'd say 90 percent of them are out of tune um but sorry chris yeah, just, just, to, just to interject i think it's something we missed on our um on our lo- our lost coheed chat, but um, I, I I mentioned Modest Mouse and uh, the tweet, one of my favourite tweets ever, which is uh, the the guy from Modest Mouse always um, constantly sounds like he's being chased by a hosepipe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. And you wouldn't be able to keep in tune if that was happening to you. So <laughs> fair play. Um, yeah, I've gone I've gone this here draft with Flaming Lips as a good example, but I wanted to shout out if you want a you know when someone does a cover of a really revered song but just does it really horrendously, almost deliberately. (laughs) So Flaming Lips have done that to um, Wonderful World and and even better than that, David Bowie's Life on Mars. Um, Find them. That's amazing. It's so good. That's that's the most punk thing anyone's ever done. um, So so the Flaming Lips, their producer, I forget what he's called now, Um, but he used... So do you know the band Mercury Rev? Mm. Yes. So he used to be the singer in Mercury Rev. Mm-hmm. So before they started making like, m- like kind of shit Americana albums, they made mm. these insane like butthole surfers, but like Strawberry Fields, yeah, Beatles, yeah, yeah, psychedelia yeah, yeah. records. And he sung on them, and his singing on those records is very bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like, re- really fucking weirdly bad. Like he's doing that weird baritone thing. I love I love it. I love those records. They're fucking nuts. Oh my gosh. They were recorded apparently on like film, on like thirty five millimeter film. Wow. Weird. Yeah. Okay. It's very strange like it's obviously when you mention Mercury uh, Mercury Rev, Goddess on a Highway comes straight into your head and that's a lovely that's that's sung in a lovely voice but uh, yeah to think that his early days were spent <laughs> uh, no, he, he he left he left after the first two records ah, I right, yeah he okay, left there we and go. became a, the Flaming Lips producer pretty much I see I see okay um, mm. any more for any more Christopher uh, yeah my fa- one of my favourite things when it comes to out of tune singing is when rappers try to do song hooks on their albums without using so auto tune so, uh, so the two that popped into my head for that were Eminem cleaning out my closet uh, oh and Jay-Z DOA Death of Autotune which is kind of deliberate okay. but still yeah. awful um, okay. Kanye's been guilty of that a few times as well which I'm sure we yeah, mentioned yeah. at the time when we did that one um, uh, One, so we're on a few that narrowly missed out on being on my top 5 Titus Andronicus A More Perfect Union uh, love that band and that's a good song for completely out of control out of tune vocals <laughs> um, Daniel Johnston is one that came to mind oh 
I should have put him in. Yeah, yeah. he's one that came to mind. Yeah. I've gone with is and always was for that for him, but uh, again, to so many, so many you could choose. Um, <laughs> Leonard like the Cohen and the vocals are completely yes. different songs, isn't it? <laughs> Leonard Cohen is one who, like, again, kind of like Moffat speaks more than sings a lot of the time. But uh, there's, um, is this what you wanted? Uh, off my favourite Leonard Cohen album, which I think. Uh, he where it's one of those rare occasions in some of his sort of earlier or his late seventies output where he does attempt some some sung choruses, <laughs> uh, which don't go too well. Um, and then my last one that oh, I mean I really wanted this in my top five, but just didn't get in is Violent Femmes' "Blister in the Sun." Oh, great song! Yeah. I don't think I've, I've, yeah. maybe I've heard that. You'd recognise it. it. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, you'd you'll know it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was used in an advert about 10 years ago, which most oh, people okay. seem to know it from. But, uh, yeah, really good. I don't know how you... Do, how would you describe violent for that one, Ollie? Like... Um, mid-90s cottage rock. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. That's about yeah. as good a description as any. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, no, not oh, very okay. Weezer. Anyway. A lot more, stri- um, more acoustic-y kind of lo-fi oh, okay. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's it. So I think oh, cool. Ash, do you want you to do your completely different things to me? Do you want to do? I um, mean, my my actual top five might be a bit more in line. We'll see. But I can see, especially you, and and maybe Ollie getting pissed off with some of my declarations. <laughs> but we'll see. Ash. Okay, my my top five. Um, number five. I, I was keeping to subjects. Um, so who named the days by Abstrap? Hey, right. Yeah. It's it's such a nice melody, and he fucking butchers it. <laughs> <laughs> in a real nice way, I think. <laughs> it it sounds really like drunken yeah. that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like really mm. drunken. Nice. Um and it's got um it's got Adele singing in the background as well, like <laughs> nailing it. <laughs> and he's just like it's great. <laughs> That's my rendition. <laughs> Very good. Um, Very nice. N- number four is. Oh, no, uh, we, we, we oh, take sorry. it in turns. That's right. Oh, oh okay. apologies. Uh, I've broken the rules. <laughs> Bad. Straight to prison. <laughs> um, <laughs> go, go directly to jail to not collect 200 pounds. <laughs> uh, you must be the Monopoly man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the free parking. Good all round. My number five is one that is one that popped straight into my head because I have always, since the first time I heard this song, loved that they chose to open it with how they do, which is Nirvana territorial pissings. Oh, nice! All right, uh, that is the one with that intro. Come of, of, on, yeah. people in. <laughs> yeah, just deliberately, horrendously out of tune, but but just brilliantly sets that song up for what it becomes. The, it, everyone can sing it with the out of tune bit. Exactly, well, he made a hook out of an out of tune. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, I'm next. You're number four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. still always learning. <laughs> um, number four is a song called Washer by the band Slint. Mm. Okay. Um, which the the drummer sings, mm. <laughs> um, and there's a very very, a very uh, quite a famous story in like Slint mythology about Steve Albini hearing that song for the first time, and just calling him, and laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then apologising a couple of weeks later when he realised like the album was like perfect, but um, yeah, it's 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 really out of tune, but it works with um, works with like how weird and um, kind of fucked up yeah. that record sounds. 
I think. Mm. As a as a band that I've not again another band I've not properly ever gone in on that I keep they're on my list. Um, Slint, Slint were a band I wanted to mention at some point as maybe an influence on Arab Strap's earlier material. Oh, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think For them. Sure. I think them and uh, apparently Aiden loves a band like one of their peers uh, called Rodan. Oh, I know Rodan. Yeah, he, yeah. Like he loves that. Nice, cool. Uh, going much more mainstream my number four is the clash spanish bombs all right okay because i'm a 60 year old man in a 34 year old hands 33 year old man's <laughs> body uh and i love the clash probably, and i love london Golding, and i love spanish bombs amazing <laughs> probably sacrilege but i can't remember that song off the top of my it, head it's um so this is the thing about london calling like there's not really there weren't really any singles on it other than london calling and right train in vain um right. spanish bombs absolutely should have been and could have been um, okay, but yeah, it's one where again because I feel like the Clash, Joe Strummer doesn't even really try and sing a lot of the time. No. Uh, mm. Whereas there's a few like it could have been Rock the Casbah where there's some where he tries to sing some sort of hooky bits, and Spanish Bombs is another bit where he tries to do like a da 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 da, and instead he just kind of goes. Joe Strummer sounds like a drowning man uh, shouting for help. Yes, yeah, <laughs> pretty <said>. much. <laughs> Go on then, um, Asher, number three. Okay, this is the, this is the weird one um, that I think people will think I'm some kind of degenerate for liking. But um, <laughs> uh, the song is called My Pal Foot Foot, um, and it's by The Shags. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it is one of the most insane records I've ever heard. I could have picked any song on this record. Um, yeah. But my pal foot foot is probably the weirdest out of the insanely weird songs. So so had you had you heard that record before it uh, was on Bright at Broken Records? Yeah 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 I had. I'd, um, right okay okay. I'd gone down. A, I'd gone down like a what do they call it? Outsider music wormhole. Right uh, about okay five or six years ago. Yeah yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mentioned that um, the Broken Records edition on the Shags if, if, uh, as a shout out a few mm. weeks ago. Definitely go check that out because it's a wild story for a very, very strange album. But, uh, the, the thing they don't talk about that on that re- podcast, which kind of annoyed me, um, was so um, they reformed the Shags, right? Um, yeah. For a bit. But. Um, all of the girls sing in it now like the they don't play any instruments so they got these right. they got these session musicians in but because of how fucking weird that record is um all of these like classical and jazz session musicians wanted to play it right so they've got these guys that are like phd's in like music theory <laughs> um, but yeah. some guy had to notate that record but with everything being out of time and like yeah. crossing over and there's YouTube yeah. so um, I forget what she's called but the um, the original singer um, her, she has a YouTube channel and there's loads of interviews with the session musicians on there and this guy's talking about notating it and he's like it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life <laughs> and uh, th- like you see them play them play it live and they're playing to sheet music and it's and it's it's exactly the same levels of out of time and out of tune as it is on the record. It's <laughs> fucking insane. Insane. I love it so much. <laughs> Go on then, Chris, you're number three. Okay, so these three 
are the ones where I can see mm. people arguing with me about whether they are out of tune or not. Um, but I think it's oh just because they're all pretty big bands, and so you're exposed okay. to them a lot and you get used to it, and so you don't notice it's out of tune maybe as much. Uh, but I think they are. Okay. And I, I, they are. They just are. So the first one is uh, Caribou by the Pixies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the chorus pretty much is in tune. It's more the bits like the verse yeah. things before it. They're like <laughs> all those kind of <laughs> beautiful, um, all those kind of things. Um, the right, I've realised that the best way uh, of judging this for me, the way I had to think about it, because you are so used to some of them. Uh, being a primary school teacher has helped me here mm-hmm. is if you ever heard a primary school music teacher try and teach a primary school choir for sure yeah, yeah. Uh, like a slightly contemporary or alternative song uh, and they kind of completely x-factor style try and pitch perfect right. <laughs> sing it uh, and it sounds shit because of that and you realize how good the original is because it's not something right. like that um, so yeah, if there's a song where you notice <laughs> that it sounds crap being sung properly, chances are oh, it's probably out of tune in the first place and with, better for it. With no practice um, would be great. A primary school choir singing My Pal Foot Foot would be amazing. <laughs> I might make that happen. <laughs> um, actually, talking of the X Factor, I completely forgot to mention. So... Um, after um, Aris Black Strap split in 2006, um, Malcolm Middleton had a Christmas song that went up against Leon Jackson. <laughs> um, yeah, it's called We're All Gonna Die at Christmas Time. Um, <laughs> start, started off um, at 1,000 to 1 um, odds of, against becoming a Christmas number one, but it was adopted by Radio 1 DJ Colin Murray. Um, odds dropped to nine to one, and Middleton was fourth favourite behind uh, Leona Lewis, Katie Melua featuring Eva Cassidy, and Leon Jackson. Um, it only made it only made number thirty one in the end, but uh, but yeah, just a little factoid for you. Thirty one's pretty good going, man. No, it's it's his only. Uh, uh, the Wikipedia article says it's his only major success ever, which is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wrote that's a legend ever, ever. Um, is it time for your number two, Ash? Yeah, um, I had to put a full song in here. Um, I love the fall, mm-hmm. fucking weird, insane, troublesome band. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, this this is this is a song. Um, I think Mark went through a delusion. Um, at some point in towards the end of his career where he thought that he was quite good at singing <laughs> um, probably down to kind of like amphetamine psychosis or something right. um, but um, the, the song's called Bill is Dead um, it's like it's like a waltz ballad um, <laughs> he's like properly trying to croon in it and it's it's not even like a bit out of tune it is fully like a man not wailing because he's singing so low but fully just not understanding the concept of tuning trying to sing to a song <laughs> it's it's amazing i love it so much <laughs> and uh oh it's um 
I just uh, as soon as you said the title, I thought Bill is dead. Uh, Bill is dead. Excellent adventure. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay, um, Chris, you're number two. Number uh, one. Number one. Oh no, yeah. No, no, my number two. My number. No, oh, no, I, I, I can't. Hear you went first. <laughs> Okay, that's good. That's going to sound really good edited. We immediately forgot where we were. Uh, um, my number two is uh, Joy Division, Dead Souls. Oh, okay. Not my favourite Joy Division song, mm-hmm. but the one where I think his out of tuneness gives it the edge that it wouldn't have otherwise. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I completely agree. Not on the not on the song though, which will be a hint for my number one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just um, I would I think Joy Division's Dead Souls was so great without the Nine Inch Nails brilliant Nine Inch Nails cover. It's an interesting thought, actually. You can't you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's nah. It's despi- I do it's despicable behaviour. You know how much I love Nine Inch Nails, but I do prefer the original of that. Fair. There's Paul. Paul Mo- the the journalist Paul Morley is currently coming round your house to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what my favourite Joy Division song is, and I'm gonna say this now just in case it happens to be the one that you've chosen, Ash, because I know that at some point Ollie and I know we want to do a top five Joy Division songs ah, okay. thing. Enough. So I don't want to give that away. But uh, yeah, so if it is, <laughs> and I'm suspiciously quiet, <laughs> that'd be why. <laughs> Right, uh, yeah, that's your number one. Um, it'd be Atmosphere. Also uh, good choice. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, his his voice is like all over the place. Again. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, um, it's low even for him, you know? And he sings pretty low most yeah. of the time. And it, he's singing like real low in it. And it's, yeah... It's it's, pr- it's I, I mean it's an amazing song. Yeah, mm. and again, it does add like if you if you had someone sing that same song who was a pitch perfect singer, it wouldn't it would not have the same effect that it does. Mm, I think it has the effect. It kind of sounds like he's crying a little bit. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah. That's um, that like vocal waver thing. Yeah, I I got into I sort of I fir- I didn't get into. I first listened to when I was sort of exploring uh, older music, the Clash and Joy Division. I kind of explored at the same time and the, the out of tuneness was the first thing that was a real barrier for me yeah. you know if you've never heard much stuff like that mm. um so yeah i remember atmosphere being one of those when i i had the what's the the joy division like collection called it's called atmosphere no there's what is it substance something oh like yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Green substance, one. yeah 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 i had that um and yeah i, I remember atmosphere hearing atmosphere for the first time and just being like this can't be real like <laughs> <laughs> um this this is a really you know worshipped band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, completely understand it now, obviously, but yeah. yeah, it's one of those things that really jars you. I think. It is difficult, like yeah, especially coming from like uh, I I don't know how old you guys are. I'm guessing you're of a slightly similar age to me, but um, we're we're, we're about thirty three. Oh, okay, I'm twenty nine. So okay. we're taught. I'll be talking about the same kind of period, but yeah we were probably hearing chart music around the the golden the golden age of autotune where yes. which is where producers were so good at it you had no idea it was there yeah, yeah so yeah. like the late 90s and early 2000s like it everything was perfectly in tune like and, yeah. but you didn't you didn't know that it was something 
that was an effect afterwards yeah, yeah, yeah. so every um so hearing that as your main source of like music to start with yeah, yeah. makes it real difficult to get try and get into anything that's like um that's even but that's that out of shape like yeah. ian curtis is like really out of shape yeah yeah nice go on then chris uh your time to up time to upset people my number one is uh the original 1979 recording of the cure boys don't cry okay <laughs> this is just for me this is when i flip um, the laptop yeah. uh i mean the fact that he ch- decided to re-record the vocal for a release like what was it like five six years later yeah was enough for me to decide that it counts as out of tune in the first place yeah it's not um, great it's not great performance but again i do think I do, I do again I think it's a case where actually it wouldn't be the same song I much prefer that original version for that reason um, I think I always think about that song that it's insane that he wrote that like that is like a classic mm-hmm. pop song right and he mm. wrote that when he was like 15 years old they were old. still mm. in college or something when, they, when it came in, out and, yeah, it, and, and it was like their second ever single or something yeah um I read today actually or yesterday I think it was when I was coming up in my top five there's a whole there's a, I can't remember I should have made a note of, of what it was on there's a brilliant article that someone's written just really deep diving into that track right. and they kind of made the same point you know that the way he kind of characterises the vocals and gives it this almost like twitchiness and it just adds to the vulnerability of the lyrics themselves and the kind of yeah it's just brilliant brilliant performance crazy good song cool uh, I mean I'm not sure I'm familiar with the original version but um, uh, I, I hope we'll be able to sh- add it to our playlist so I can check it out oh the the re-release also has the greatest photo of any artist or band taken of all time <laughs> it's the photo of him in the in the trainers with the guitar on but he's like just got his arms down and he's facing away yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So we are in a band. We are two members of a band. Well, Ash is in a band as well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, Chris and I's band is called Myers, Roll and Bent. We were announced and then had to pull out of a gig <laughs> supporting the St. Pierre Snake Invasion, which we were absolutely gutted about. Yeah. Just be um, grateful you didn't have to put up with that ginger cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite looking forward to having a, a miserable conversation about Spurs with him, but uh, anyway, um, but um, yeah, we're, hopefully next time we get confirmed for a gig, we won't, we'll, we'll actually get to be able to play it. Uh, so, so if you wish to, oh, them feels. So, if, so, so, so if you um, would like to follow those exploits, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the handle at m e a o a b. Um, this podcast is brought to you by Grimheart Promotions. This is Chris and I wanted to put on London bands in London and Surrey. So if you are in a band like Ashes, if you manage a band, if you are mates of a band and want to shout them out, or if you manage a venue, uh, or if you're just interested in awesome gigs coming up in the areas I mentioned earlier, uh, we can be found on Facebook and Instagram at Grimheart Promo. So, so um, yeah. Ash, I'll, of the I'll ba- do it for the label. This is for you, Vlad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ash of the band Sugar Horse. Uh, Sugar Horse are very active at the moment. Tell us about, Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we're about to put out our debut album mm-hmm. uh, called "The Live Long After." Uh, long by name, 
long, <laughs> very much by nature. Um, on the 27th of August, um, through Small Pond Records in the UK and Art as Catharsis in Australia mm. and the general area of Australia, <laughs> um, which is cool. Wonderful. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a long time in the making. Mm-hmm. And I'm fucking bored of waiting <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be nice to have it out uh, please buy it because um, I would like to make Vlad happy because he's been nice enough to pay for quite a few things for us which is which is cool I mean we've you know we've we've said we've we've sung the praises of, of the singles on on this podcast already but yeah that's oh, I, I'm you. excited very excited about the album Definitely. I think it could be shaping up to be one of my top of the year Oh, um, amazing! Thank you very the sing- much. All the singles are so good, and he had a new new single come out on day of recording. Actually, I think didn't he? Oh, so yeah, d- um, yes, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yesterday, yesterday. But um, I um, <laughs> another, another r- wonderful title. In in a modest in a modest way, um, I think it might be the greatest song title of all time. <laughs> um, it's called "Shouting Judas" of Bob Dylan, <laughs> which is which is which is one of the funniest clips oh. of film I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Judas! I don't believe you! <laughs> so good. Cool. Um, and and uh, you do, so you were going to be touring as well, which I think is being like reorganised at the moment, so we can't really say much about that, but you have got, I think, your, your Bristol show still happening, right? Yes. Um, so for definite... Um, well, sorry, when's this going to come out? Uh, so we have an album release show uh, um, in Bristol on the 29th. Nice Sunday, nice Sunday show um, just for people who work on Monday mornings. Nice. Um, <laughs> well, isn't that, isn't, isn't that Bank Holiday weekend? Is it? Yeah, it I is. Yeah, yeah, there you oh. go. Oh, amazing. Bank Holiday banger. <laughs> fuck them fuck then, they better come. Um... And then uh, we well, well we did we did have a tour book supporting um, the the legendary um, Mike Vinat mm-hmm. um, and his his solo projects in October, but unfortunately, um, due to COVID related reasons, um, Mike can't do it anymore. So we had to cancel that. So um, our beautiful, um, lovely booking agent James Spence has been working his ass off. Um, and managed to kind of sort sort us a tour instead. Um, so keep your eyes peeled um, for some some headline slots in no doubt little tiny venues to come w- watch us bring far too many amps into those tiny <laughs> venues <laughs> <laughs> and annoy sound men the country over. Excellent, fantastic. Um, do you want to do to plug your um, your socials for people to check you out if they haven't oh, they're yeah, not following you already? Um, I should probably know them, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> I, I think, think Twitter. I think Twitter is Sugarhorse six six six. Yeah. Um, I think I've got your Insta here because I was checking the it's dates. Sugar Sugarhorse dot r dot awful. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. And um, Facebook, I think, is Sugarhorse ruined my birthday. I think. <laughs> lovely amazing okay um okay so uh, um any more um uh, musical shout outs at the moment anything that's caught your ear oh yeah you didn't pre-warn me about this I like that's to be, okay I like, I like I like to be pre-warned hold on oh, let me pull up um because I'm a hopeless 
fucking music obsessive. I like to make a ongoing album of the year playlist, mm-hmm. just just to make sure I don't forget things. Mm-hmm. But um, I really like there's a um, there's um, a wanky ambient um, artist from I think Scotland as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got no singing in it, so I didn't know she was <laughs> from Scotland <laughs> quite recently. Just happened to be that way. Um, but called uh, Time Binding Ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, she's made like a, it's like classical instrumentation, but recorded on like really old and broken, uh, like tape reels and stuff. So the nice. pitch bends and there's loads of hiss. Um, and it's essentially the same piece, um, twelve times, in every key. Wow. Um, okay. But it's really cool and like proper. Um, lie on the floor in the fetal position, kind of, <laughs> kind of jams. You know, adding adding that to my list of uh, 2021 albums to listen to. Oh, it's real good. Lovely, it's real good. Just uh, turn all the lights off and then, yeah, fantastic. Have a nice time. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, then, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've again because I've been trying to listen to as much as I can. It's always tricky to try and whittle down which ones I actually want to talk about. But one that really. Uh, has grabbed me and I've gone back to a few times um, an Australian band called Greyhound um, which they're tricky to find because if you search like on the streaming services or whatever there's like 20 bands called Greyhound yeah. <laughs> um, but the album is called Dennis Exists <laughs> uh, which I think is a brilliant title as well um, but yes yeah, better search for that but um, they're just there's just a lot going on but it's very so there's there's stuff where that they've self described as like Australian Gothic, okay. Um, but there's some really like so what does that entail? Nick Cave. Yeah, there's, some, there's yeah there's there's yeah, some yeah, yeah. there's some really kind of chilled Nick Cavey kind of stuff, but kind of yeah with that kind of Gothic overtone. There's some almost doomy, stonery stuff going on. It's mostly instrumental. Um, there's one track called Riverbend which is why I thought it'd be particularly cool to bring up for this one because it's quite an Arab strap link in that it's like uh, quite a simple guitar pattern uh, with a, a poem read by in a really nice like Australian accent over the top nice. um, about like some Australian village gang thing I can't remember exactly what the story is but it's really, it's really cool Um so yeah, that came out on the uh, 30th of April uh, and it's just really good. Um, um, sorry, sorry, Chris, I, I just wanted to yeah. say that I think the band Greyhound should do a cover of Devo's Whip It. <laughs> is it Devo's Whip It? <laughs> I think or so. Or is it, in fact, is it Salt and Pepper? Let's <laughs> push it. Oh, put, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what happened in my, in my brain there. It's uh, mashup time. <laughs> <laughs> Surely Devo have done a cover of Push It as well. Um, and just really quickly, because mm. uh, one of the the, the, the the bands that were always at the top of my list, if someone asked me of like bands that went underappreciated, um, and uh, it might just be a nostalgia thing, but Sushi Opero oh, yeah. is up there. Um, and JP Reed of Sushi Opero uh, has put a new... Pro- album out um, under the title of Invi- Invisibles uh, with a German guy called Gerald von Verden okay. um, the album's called Keep Quiet Ghosts it's like a 
almost like a synth poppy it's like it's drum machine and sort of a to z synths but with that kind of socioparo melancholic melodramatic i suppose at times uh melodies and things going on cool well um <clears throat> if you want to get at us about anything we've said over the course of this episode um, we can be found on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at OllieXCore, O double L I E X C O R E. And Chris, you are on? Uh, at CM Grumps. Lovely. And uh, yeah. I'm on, I'm on at Hey Look, It's Satan. Fantastic. Um, if, you, if you want to send me hate, hate <laughs> tweets, um, I like an online rock, so fucking bring it on. <laughs> Excellent. Wonderful. Um, so. Um, Yes, um, so everything, for, uh, all our, all our favourite tracks and our tracks from our Niche of the Better Top 5 plus our shout-outs will be added to our Spotify Rank Bank playlist, which is getting huger and huger every episode. It's now over 32 hours, which is insane. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, have a listen to that. And uh, all that remains for us is to introduce our next episode, which will be... It's uh, we're ranking we're we're cheating a bit and ranking the albums of Nirvana. Obviously, they only have three studio albums, but we're including Incesticide and Unplugged because it's our podcast. So fuck you. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, we're we're, we're heading into Nirvana land. Uh, tune in for that in a couple of weeks' time. But for now, thank you ever so much for joining us, Ash. Um, thank I hope, you. I hope you've had as lovely a time as we have. Um, it's been it's been very nice. Wonderful. I'd just like to say to save um, the listeners a bit of time next week. The best one is bleach. <laughs> <laughs> Hot take indeed. So yeah, and enjoy uh, Sugar Horses album on release. We sh- we certainly will, and uh, we'll see you next time for a bit Nirvana. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you, everybody. Bye bye.